Welcome back to Mark's Madness. We are back. We are collaborating again. Doing a collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And in just a moment, we are going to be joined by a very special collaborator for the remainder of this uh, this series. This is, uh, for anyone that wasn't aware going into it, this is our first full-on collaboration series. We will be doing the Red Deal uh, by the Red Nation, um, and it will be fully collaborative, and it will be fully collaborative with our good comrade Zakato. Uh, Zakato, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us kind of what we're what we're in for. Um, so yeah, Zicato is what I go by online, but uh, Nick Estes kind of like just doxed me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he said my real name on the Red Nation podcast, which has like a bunch of listeners. So I'm like, well, I guess it's Shungmani too now. Uh, <laughs> and I use like they them pronouns, uh, you know, in case anybody cares. Uh, so anyway. Um, uh, it's called Wingte in my nation, and that's like some of the cultural things I'm going to add into this um, as we go. Um, yeah. We're reading The Red Deal, um, which mm-hmm. um, is kind of the result of, you know, supposed to read The Redskins' White Mask, um, which, <laughs> <laughs> like, we've planned it for so long, I we should definitely continue that series, but... Like we'll do that series because I've I have the notes and I've read it I've done the work okay, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Coulthard actually recommends this book and on the first page we list all of the recommendations because on the back we have like this very subtle um, critique of liberalism and promotion of communism that doesn't say that you know so it's it's accessible to libs. <laughs> even it's a really good communist fucking theory i'm just saying it's very subtle uh, it's not subtle but it's yeah. subtle you know mm-hmm. you'll hear the dog whistles or whatever you want to call them so Cuthbert said uh the red deal offers a revolutionary program for global environmental justice informed by the liberation struggles and epistemologies of indigenous black migrant and working peoples everywhere the vision of this manifesto calls for nothing less than a radical transformation of our relationships with each other and the land itself. It is truly inspiring work that we have come to expect from our comrades in the Red Nation. And the reason people expect that is because the Red Nation has a very long uh, history of, uh, well, you know, long as in like relevant communist parties tradition of, uh, you know, organizing and organizing around important yeah. events. Um, the Red Nation was formed in 2016 by a group in New Mexico um, of incredible comrades. But really, this tradition dates back 500 years. Okay, it it stems from AIM. It stems from the Fissions. It stems from all kinds of events that, if I name, you wouldn't know because you don't learn our revolutionary history for some reason. You know, it's 500 years of revolutionary and communal society building. If that's not scientific socialism and experimentation that literally informed Marx's analysis in his ethnographical notes. Um, And he just doesn't credit us. So you don't listen to how much we have to say and how much correct ideas we formed without reading Marx. Uh, Sitting Bull once said... 
the white men knew how to make everything, but not how to distribute it. That man did not have a copy of Capital anywhere. He couldn't read English. So, that said, you know, um, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz, the writer of An Indigenous People's History of the United States, which is obviously a play on Howard Zinn's book, um, said, The Red Nation has given us the Red Deal, an indigenous people's worldview and practice that leads to profound changes in existing human relations. 500 years of European colonialism, which produced capitalist economic and social relations, has nearly destroyed life itself. Technology could be marshaled to reverse the death march, but it would require a vision of the future and a path to follow to arrive there. And that is what the Red Deal provides. And to me, you know, the reason why we say life destroyed life itself is because 85% of biodiversity right now is protected on indigenous lands. That is only 10% of the world. Okay? 85% of life forms are on 10% of the land. God damn. You know, or protected waters around Hawaii or Alaska, stuff like that. You know, it's a very, very sad reality that's happening. I was out in the Northwest with uh, the Lummi Nation, and um, they unfortunately told me that only four ri- four salmon returned to their river that year. So it's just, it's heartbreaking. And the elders out there uh, say that there's two years left of salmon Jesus. runs. That's what they think. You know? They know it better than anybody. I uh, yeah. So the 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 red deal is an incendiary and necessary compilation with momentum for a green new deal mounting. The humble and powerful organizers of the red De- uh, red nation remind us about a green new deal that must also be red. Socialists committed to class struggle, internationalist in orientation, and opposed to the settler colonial theft of indigenous lands and resources. Redistribution also requires reparations and land back. The Red Deal is a profound call to action for us all. Harsha Wela, uh, author of Undoing Border Appealism and Border and Rule, Global Migration, Capitalism, and the Rise of Racist Nationalism. So, you know, th- I chose those three quotes because I feel like they encaptured the spirit of the book really well and make people want to read it. You know, and to me, th- th- it's concisely put what we want to say as well. You know, uh, and so here, you know, I'll just be brief. Um, when when we talk about the Green New Deal, right? There's a lot of failings in it, and a lot of it is that they're hoping politicians will do what only mass movements can do. Mass mm-hmm. movements are the engine that moves history. It's not a capitalist. It's not a politician. It's not the leaders. It's the movements that come from that stuff. The material conditions. You know, the material conditions ultimately, you know, impose what people do. But the people change the material conditions. Right. And that's just been the progression of society um, in a non... Uh, determinist way because there's a tendency of Marxists to go well you go from proto-communism to you know feudalism whatever you know insert here whatever they think the trajectory is when reality why can't people just forge their own path and you know see what happens maybe people shouldn't invade other people 
that's just, you know that's just a that's a cool idea that we can talk about now and spread that information to millions of people around the world. So why can't we evolve past that point? Um, this high praise I mentioned because yeah. uh, the Red Nation um, is a group of a lot of organizers. Like I said, I, I travel a lot to meet a lot of different organizers. And uh, I've just been trying to like figure out good recruits basically for Red Nation, and uh, I've I've been very picky, and I've only I've only decided on five now after two years of organizing. Not really, it's like a year and a half maybe now, but two years of organizing with the Red Nation officially. <laughs> um, you know, I've organized myself before that, and I've just met a lot of organizers. Um, you know, trying to well, just trying to do what I can do in my own area. You know, I don't have a party. I live in the middle of nowhere, really. You know, I have a community of people who just want change. You know, that's that's what I have. I don't have communists and stuff, you know. So it, it's very different organizing as a communist. You're trying to inform these people without making them, you're a communist. I hate you. Yeah. Because of Cold War propaganda or whatever. You know, not to yeah. mention current propaganda, yeah. Cold War II propaganda, let's call it. Oh, I was about to or, say, it has you know, we can, the Cold War never ended. You know, they, no. thought, oh. they thought they killed communism, but in truth be yeah. told, there were several different vestiges, and we saw how that played out, you know. So anyway, um, as well as things we've seen played out, uh, we're talking about, you know, pointless destruction of the environment. You know, this is this is everybody's struggle, not just indigenous people's struggle. That's that's what we're really getting at. You know, our healing helps you. It it's your healing too. You know, yeah. if you can see past race like you say you can, you know, when you go, I don't see race <laughs> Well then maybe you should fucking listen. I don't know. <laughs> but what we what we're trying to do cuz you'll read and you'll see that we also have like recommendations from uh Teen Vogue and like Essence, Jacobin, uh Democratic Socialists of America and The Politic, which you know aren't exactly my favorite publications. <laughs> But it does show a broad, I mean, if anything else, it shows just, just how broad the appeal of this message is, I think. Yeah, exactly. And what we're trying to do is get DSA people and liberals to go, oh, I actually want to read that without going, oh, this is just going to be some freaking ultra, you know, revolutionary manifesto that's saying I should go, like, shoot the Supreme Court for the Roe v. Wade situation or whatever. You know, that's not what we're doing. You know, no. that's not what we're doing. <laughs> no, that let us be very clear. Not what, not we're, what doing. we're doing? We're not doing that. Any, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, sure. so I like to kind of break it down into like four parts when I explain it to people. And the first part is obviously our introduction, which, you know, has its own parts, but it's like five pages, three pages, blah, 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 blah. It allows you to turn where you want to read about. So if you don't understand decolonization, you can try to see how we try to explain it to you. You know, like, this, this is all an attempt to try to convey 500 years of experience to people who might not even know whose land they're on. You know, then that's a lot of people. So <laughs> we know who we're talking about. And you know if you know. And just be <laughs> honest. Go look it up. 
well, you know, there's many resources. And when you do, you know, read about it. Read. Just read. It's it's good. You know, it gives you a break from the Marxism. It's interesting. You know, people love Westerns for a reason. I, I don't, but... Actually, I do love Westerns. I'm not going to lie. I have, like, a, I have a love-hate relationship with them. But, uh, you know, like, screw, like, Dances with Wolves. First off, because... Oh my god. I hear that all the time. I hear it all the time. Anyway, so, um, you know, so, uh, and then at the end of the introduction, we break it down into our four principles, um, which what creates crisis cannot solve it. Change from below and to the left. Politicians can't do what mass movements do. And from theory to action. That are, those are our principles in organizing. Okay, and so, um, well, and how we, you know, figured it out and started organizing ourselves and stuff like that. Because, you know, there's a bunch of stuff already going on. You just have to observe it, right? Yep. Join in on it. Um, the next one, uh, the next section, well, you know, obviously it's part one and part two, but I like to, well, no, actually, I'm ahead of myself. So part one is divestment. So what we're talking about is how we divest our energies, divest our money, etc. You know, like if, if a politician reads this, actually looking for answers, what people want, they can read this and go, oh, this is stuff I should write a bill about or something like that. But this is something the regular every working class person can go, oh, I shouldn't, you know, be a cop. You know, <laughs> some, that's a little obvious. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but how about you know, yeah, it's kind of straightforward. But... <laughs> ice protests. Why are those facilities still open? Mm-hmm. If we don't think fascism is here yet, I do. If you don't uh-huh. think fascism is here yet, why is there concentration camps? Why has the recent news come out that the president during that time literally tried to lead the insurrection on January 6th, taking the wheel from the Secret Service? And, you know, like, that that just came out. You know, mm-hmm. that's insane. You know, like, if you don't know about this stuff, yeah. you really need to get on board and listen to it and delineate it to your friends because this is a very serious time. It is very serious. An attack on women's bodies is an attack on Earth itself. Okay? And the reason I say that is because, you know, indigenous people, uh, sovereignty is at risk, okay, because of this. Uh, the current events we wanted to talk about in this episode um, yeah. is this wonderful, uh, wonderful turn of events uh, where the U.S. Court of Appeals denied the Apache claim uh, to Oak Flat and approves a copper mine, which is, this is all in Arizona, okay? And, um... So, uh, basically what this does is this is, um, for the National Defense, this is through the National Defense Authorization Act, and they're trying to uh, enter into the Tonto National Forest, which is like Apache land, um, and basically, which, let me tell you, the Tonto National Forest, you know where they got that fucking name? Oh, I'm sure I don't want to, but you're going to tell me. The Lone Fucking Ranger. Fuck you. Oh, anyway. it can't be that easy. It can't be that yeah. bad. Yes, oh, it's that bad. God, it's that no. bad. All across America is a monument to fucking colonization, and nobody acknowledges it. But here we are. 
<laughs> it's that bad. And that that's like part of the stuff that we need to divest in. But so Oak Flat is 2,422 acres. So this is another 2,422 acres that are being attacked. And like I said, this oh. is a land base that if the left would coalition with the indigenous people and work on an actual solution like our comrades in Nicaragua did in the 70s uh, through the help of AIM like our comrades in Cuba Cuba uh, do today like our comrades in Venezuela do today like our comrades in Bolivia lead their country today Bolivia has done what China has done in five years so you fucking Marxist-Leninists that sit there and talk all the time about China, sit there advocating for China all the time. There is a better, fairer system that's doing the same thing in Latin America, and China should learn from them too. And they are. But, I digress because I don't punch left. I try not to. But anyway, <laughs> you know, China, I'm, I'm pro-China. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, there's a huge focus on China. Nobody talks about Bolivia. Bolivia, most of Bolivia's yep. cars are electric. You know, who's leading climate change? Uh, the Paris uh, Accords were signed in 2014. Well, indigenous people got together in 2011 at Cochabamba in Bolivia to talk about the same issue and pointed out that it's the West. It's the uh, uh, major industries of capitalism that pollute that destroy us and if we you know use the resources that are you know indigenous to our area and use the stuff that's good for that environment instead of trying to just pull in whatever grows quickly you know or whatever grows you know just happens to actually survive because whatever it's good soil you know why because for fucking millennia we've taken excellent care of it we've lived in communion with these places and we use them only as we needed you know, at least you know, that was the goal. You know, maybe like the Aztecs overused, but even then they built floating cities. They didn't destroy forests. They built floating cities at one point. You know, they had aqueducts as Europeans threw shit in the streets. So I don't want to hear about us being backwards or uncivilized because we had 200,000 people in one city, more than London could ever dream of. You know, so... And they were healthy. That's another thing. And people yeah. were treated more Not fairly. Just and you didn't just cr didn't just cram two hundred thousand people into the smallest space possible and say, "Look, we did it." No, it was a sustainable society. Yeah, exactly. And sure, whatever the like human sacrifices thing. You should look into that. Actually, you know, instead of fucking repeating what you heard since kindergarten, how about you look into something instead of just believing what white people told you about us? You know. <sighs> Sorry for that rant. Not really, but uh. <laughs> not even no, again. That's what, that is literally all the show exists to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So part two and three is my next section. This is my section three. And this is healing our planet and healing our bodies. These two, I feel, are mutually collective because by healing our bodies, we're going to heal the planet and vice versa. Okay. It's a dialectical relationship. And I hope an experienced Marxist can understand that without it being explicitly said, you know, the, my hope is mm -hmm. bringing it to your audience will advance your audience and people I know that listen to you that I think need to hear this book. And then people I can suggest to you to hear this book, but then they'll go back and maybe listen 
to capital, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is, because you guys have a wonderful collection of Wretched of the Earth and stuff like that that are all very relevant texts. And I think this is the natural continuation of basically like a study guide, if you will. Um, I agree. That's why I've reached out to you to do this for so long. You know, I think this needed to be done for so long now. And Mm -hmm. Harry Haywood really threw that into work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a long journey, but we got there. Sections. We'll be talking about citizenship and equal rights because obviously one of the biggest things is the imperial borders. Okay, those borders reinforce um, our colonization. So the Tohono O'odham are cut; their reservations cut. They cannot cross their border freely. In fact, now Israel has put hundred foot towers around the reservation with the United States. It's an Israeli defense company that's doing it, um, and. It can track you for many miles. I've done an entire episode of this on my podcast. And so it can track you for many miles, your cell phones, blah, 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 uh, freaking heat signature basically left in the sand. And then it also goes underground in case people are digging. So, you know, freaking most of it happens over the border, well, over by planes anyway. So freaking um, this isn't necessary besides that it polices indigenous people. And indigenous people yeah. under the assumption that because we're both brown, we'll just the the Mexicans will come hide with us. Oh my god, that's Ugh. that's the thing. I wish, I wish it wasn't that obviously racist, but no, it's it, that it obviously definitely racist. Is. It's it's that obviously racist. They just released, they released that coin of them whipping the Haitians. It's that. Oh racist. my god, that was. That's that racist. So I'm just saying, this is obvious. We are in a fascist country right now, and we need to do something about it as communists. We need to organize, and we need a plan, and this is it. Yep. So, (laughs) and we're only on part two. (laughs) We're only on part two of the introduction of the table of context, ladies and gentlemen. We'll also be talking about free, sustainable housing, accessible education, and adequate health care. All three of those... The main reason is, even if we have universal health care, you know, how quality would it be under our current society? How good of a goal is it to implement right now for minorities who get given expired COVID vaccines because the Democrats wanted to make opposition to the Republicans? So the one of the few issues they raised with their bill was that, oh, you can't release everything at once. The problem with doing that is stuff expires. We Mm -hmm. should have shot as many people as we could have and reserved their second shot. We could accomplish Mm -hmm. that. We have the technology. Okay? (laughs) It's not a hard science, I wouldn't think, for the United fucking States to do with how much we already do. It's just unbelievable to me that the Ojibwe got expired vaccines. Free clinics in Detroit got expired vaccines. I'm sure in St. Louis. I'm sure in Austin. I'm sure across the fucking country in poor black areas, poor Latino areas, poor freaking indigenous areas. These are all affected. Okay. Not to mention free education. If we're getting an education in neoliberal schools, we're going to get more neoliberals. 
It's just that simple. Yep. You might get people who are radicalized, but our education system does need to change. Right. And so these are all things we address because our education system are recreating the settler colonial base of this country. They're recreating the systems of genocide and slavery that built it so it will continue on. That's the project. It's the natural project. It's how it continues itself. It has to. And it birthed capitalism, the first pure capitalist nation. That's why people believe the United States is great. That's the only reason. If you break down everything they'll say, it boils down to it's the first purely capitalist nation born. It didn't go through monarchy. Jumped right fucking in. Okay, so anyway, um, free, reliable, and accessible public transportation and infrastructure. This is a huge one for me. As somebody who lives in the middle of nowhere, you know how useful it would be to have a non-profitable train <coughs> here? Mm-hmm. Even even a slow one. I take you know. a fucking slow one. Uh, our, only, our only train system in Michigan is the Detroit People Mover. It goes to Tiger Stadium, Ford Field. And Joe Louis Arena, which is no longer open. Oh, good! Not even the new, not even the new Little Caesars one. Oh, and the Little Caesars is open. It's not connected to the fucking transit. Of course, mm. it's not. Why? Would it's down it the road. Be? It's down the road. Why, why would it be? Well, because oh. Detroit's Motor City, baby. Oh Motor yeah. Motor City. We had the Nazi Ford fucking build the town. <laughs> so here we are, a <laughs> fucked up place. Martin Luther King called it the most racist place he's ever been. Oh, that's probably high praise from the good Dr. King. It's good. Rosa Parks, though, she died there. Um, the uh, owner of Little Caesars actually paid her rent until she died. Fun fun enough. Well, and, you know, there's been major revitalization, and there's a lot of incredible projects going on there. And if you're a communist in Michigan, you know, yeah. start looking at Detroit. It's really coming back. I'm telling you. It's awesome. I have a deep love for Detroit. Um, good, good. So non-carceral mental health support and no more suicides. I actually recently had a, a suicide crisis, actually, and ended up in a psychiatric uh-huh. unit uh, because uh-huh. of you know climate change, the amount of stress I'm under, the fact that I see so many people just ignoring an obvious, easy-to-read manual and wasting their time on shit that doesn't, it doesn't do anything. We can hold signs and stuff all we want, but what are we doing to actually change it? You know, that only does so much. It only does so much. <clears throat> Holding the sign doesn't do much. Occupying a building, it does. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying making a point, and that's how you get things done. Correct. No one's no one's ever writing about again the the peaceful march that changed everyone's mind about things. It's it's always a there's always a moment, there's always a thing, there's always an yeah. actionable event that takes place. And we're not saying go do adventurism and just see that you're going to be by this all comes from deep organization and deeply planned out events and things that are that are are organized around a, a theory that is coherent and stable not just you going out and doing lone wolf adventurism stuff um but again that's that's the kind of action that is needed um not just kumbaya sit together and and hope everything's okay you know holding signs raises awareness but it's just yeah uh, what does it do past that mm-hmm. you garner a new member you get more dues you make more money and you're recreating the capitalist social relation that's all you're doing 
You're organizing, don't get me wrong. Maybe you're doing other stuff with that money. But let's be honest, the ultimate background there is you're recreating the capitalist relation until that money's redirected towards reparations and land back. That's how you redistribute right now, and it's the only way you can redistribute right now. And by organizing with your local indigenous groups, you'll <laughs> there will be a land base <laughs> to organize off of. You'll have an innate revolutionary group of people to pull from that have so many great ideas, and they know what it needs. They know what they need. They know what the environment needs. You know, this isn't like some noble savage cause. This is common sense with the people who are closest with the land right now, which are like poor people that, or, you know, maybe a farmer. But even then, a farmer is like, I go buy my fertilizer and I put fertilizer on here. You know, it's whereas like if you're actually trying to make it like a sustainable, a self-sustainable society, you know, you compost your own stuff. You try to do stuff as much as your yourself as you can. Right. You know, maybe we use a hammer or whatever. You know, we'll use a chainsaw. We're not, like, fucking savages. You know, we're modern people. <laughs> you know? That's that's the thing. Is so many people, when they hear you're native and you talk about being traditional, they picture you in buckskin. You know? And that's... Yeah. Uh, do I wear buckskin? No. I barely ever have my hair in a braid because I can't braid. Like, this, this is the only braid I keep. I keep a braid in my hair all the time like this. That's it. <laughs> I'll throw it up in a man bun or, like, uh, ponytails. But, um, I don't know. I just call it a bun. But, anyway, I'm masculine presenting. Um, but, yeah, no. So, like, this is a re- very real issue. You know, a teacher told my nephew to go kill himself. A teacher. A white teacher in South Dakota. You know, this is very real. And then when I was in South Dakota, I was attacked by a fucking biker. And I was the one thrown in, well, about to be thrown in jail. They put me in a mental hospital because obviously you couldn't book me on anything. And so they said, they, well, yeah. they found me, they found me like with a cut on my arm right here. You can see the scar yeah. and oh, freaking, wow. um, uh, they <laughs> They freaking uh, took two hours to bring me to the hospital. Freaking left the tourniquet on for that long. I almost lost my arm. You know, like oh my god, my arm does not work correctly. You know, like uh, I freaking uh, right before I was leaving for line three, we had asked uh, my partner's adopted dad, who works for Enbridge and is friends with the like police and stuff, and is part of the internal order. Well, Brotherhood of Police or whatever, uh, to borrow his truck for my work, uh, saying that I was going to do journalism there. Uh, before we left, uh, the cops, uh, I had a panic attack. So the cops respond um, with seven cruisers, three, three fire trucks, and two ambulances to, uh, to me crying. Jeez. That's that's the call. Me crying, being loud. You know, even if that was domestic violence. You know, like even if that's what they thought it was, because in the video, they say, "Is this a domestic violence?" After they throw my partner on the bed and like beat her up, basically. 
she's like 120 pounds. Four grown men. Because she tries to leave the room. Not a command issued. Nothing. I get pinned up against the wall and shot with ketamine as I try to defuse the situation. I pull myself out of a panic attack and say, okay, can we please just get out? Can we leave? Okay, I'm going with them. I'm walking in front first. My hands are up. My hands are raised. They pin me against the wall. They start pulling down my pants. I literally start saying, please don't rape me because I thought I was going to get raped because I have PTSD from that. That's happened to me before. You know, not not a cop, but, you know, in the past because, unfortunately, things happen. But, yeah, so... You know, that's that's a personal experience of mine, and it's it sucks. You know, I have to deal with those stressors that from the, she has a twelve hundred dollar fine because they gave her uh, obstructing justice. Oh, that was the plea deal. You know, and and why take the plea? Oh, because otherwise she's pregnant. She's gonna mm-hmm. give birth in jail because it takes yeah. six months to actually see the judge finally and get out, even if you're innocent. And that's if the jury sides with you. If. You know, that's a dangerous game. Especially for poor people who need to be out and working. Yes. You know. So anyway. uh, Healthy, sustainable, and abundant food. Like I said, um, there's a coming food crisis. And we'll get into it. Clean water, land, and air. Those are fundamental human rights. And it should be enshrined in law. Okay, and gender, sexual, and domestic violence. Like I said, you know, the response to loud crying, and this was a male, so, you know, they were just crying, you know, this is a biological male, you know, obviously it's a deep cry or whatever, you know, so they're still responding to this as a domestic violence in this way, and... And so they're uh, responding to domestic violence in this way, and even though it's not domestic violence, this is the result of that mentality and stuff. So even the current justice system for DV isn't good. Not to mention no. the difficulty for leaving those situations. We have great friends in Australia that um, they organize what they call the Freedom Van, which helps um, mostly indigenous women, but women who are being battered... Um, you know, uh, take some stuff with them so they can leave sooner. Because that's the ultimate reason, right? Is it's it's hard for them to, um, it's hard for them to, you know, maybe uh, leave because they have, you know, everything's there. So if they leave, maybe that person's going to destroy their stuff, you know? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, she's it's, asking it's a- about dinner. <laughs> Let's cut no, out some you- of that cutting. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, uh, what were you saying? <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that, and we talk about this all the time that the, it, the police are not there in any way that they are structured currently to adequately address community needs in any way, shape, or form. And that's that's something I'm very excited to get into um, with divestment. You know, that's well, mm-hmm. d- you know, divestment. Yeah. You know, divest from the police. That's a real solution in the sense that liberals will support it, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately... Oh, at, 
Absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, um, with the, the abolitionism, you've got to have something to replace. Well, we're, no, no, no. we're not so advocating. You're, cu- you're jumping ahead. Right. And I uh, think so I'm just saying, I think that's so on the liberal side oh, of things, sorry. they'll support sorry. the message of divestment, divest from the police. But when they read this, they'll see that, like you were saying, if you'd like to continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you need alternatives there. No one you know, expects nothing. Right. And so maybe, you know, a good way to get liberals on board with it, because it's really the the way we want to do the plan is you put the alternatives in place, ideally as you're scaling police back, but first. Right. And as revolutionaries where we can't expect the government just scale police back, you know, on our command, we just start with well, the alternatives, creating them, and that's how we divest with police like as as the situation come up. Are kind of a huge solution, you know, like mm-hmm. doing patrols to, in like areas that mm-hmm. are common for sexual assault on like campuses and stuff. That's a great place mm-hmm. to start. I have a friend in Penn State that was a part of a group that was trying to get that done, and then a Maoist came in and kind of uh, went all ultra. So this is the dangers of, you know, book worship and stuff like that. You know, like if you are going to be a Maoist, read that book first. You know, I, I no offense, but it seems like a lot of y'all don't read it. You know, <laughs> no offense. I, I, I really do. Most people would call me a Maoist if they didn't know my politics that well, you know. Yeah. So, um. And then obviously, and gender, sexual, and domestic violence um, leads into uh, ending the, uh, I wouldn't say phenomenon, but I would say the structural violence of missing and murdered indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit people. I am a two-spirit person. I say non-binary for your convenience, but two-spirit is an indication of a specific indigenous connection to queerness, I guess I'd say. And an expression of a third, sometimes fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever, how many genders, you know. Um, and so I would say I'm Winkte, which is, you know, uh, somebody who is both feminine and masculine at the same time, or both a woman and a man at the same time. I, the language is hard to speak around. Um, I'm obviously educating myself every day. And so I'm expressing it from a traditional point of view and how I best know how to put it, you know, from, you know, a lot of different cultural knowledge. You know, it's, I'm trying my best here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are we all? I think that's what we're all doing. Healing our planet. You know, this is the second part of the healing, you know, um, clean, sustainable energy, traditional and sustainable agriculture. Land, water, air, and animal restoration. Because even if we acted and acted right now, the, the, like I said, land, um, water, and such being human and clean air all being human rights, I think you know ultimately people um, should uh, people should really um, realize that you gotta you gotta start you know grass the amount of grass we have like the lawns and shit. Why is Kentucky bluegrass everywhere? It's not Kentucky and Michigan. <laughs> All I'm saying, you know, like, there's a lot of different lawns that people like and find aesthetically pleasing that have been transplanted to these places and naturally spread, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily indigenous. Nor does it mean it's the best for the environment. Just because something green is growing does not mean it's good for its environment. Okay. Ask, ask so, Kudzu. 
<laughs> it's green. It's green. It grows. It sure as heck is not good for anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, there's many different indigenous ways of growing these things yourself that are easy to maintain, and you produce a lot, and it becomes very helpful to relieve your own pocketbook. And as communists, I think we all should be doing it. But also, if you're thinking about a climate crisis, and you're thinking about like one of the main things your community needs. And needs a source of food. And the more we get our communities doing this, one of the ways I first started organizing as a communist is I was helping a philanthropist, you know, just a rich dude who wanted to do some good around town, plant orchards and start community gardens around our town. And now there's about, well, the town I used to live in, there's about like four acres now dedicated to food, one of which is an orchard. That's pretty cool. You know, yeah. We can we can make alliances with capitalists. We just don't listen to them. If their idea is good, we help out, sure. But we try to siphon off workers. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. Take their money, because he paid me for this stuff. So it's like, take their money. Go go do something else with it. So when people like criticize Indian Collective for taking the Bezos money, it's no strings attached. Bezos gave us no strings attached money. Because he just gives away money for a tax write-off. He doesn't care where it goes. So we applied. Well, we didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking as an indigenous people applied for it. Indian Collective applied for it. And now Camp Mini Luzahan is getting actual buildings. Because when I started my campaign for grassroots funding, and when they went around trying to get grassroots funding, white people didn't donate. Are you going to fucking pay for it? No. Okay, I'm going to take Bezos' money to fucking pay for it as long as he's not going to influence my fucking organization. Mm-hmm. And it's an NGO, whatever. Expect an yeah. NGO to be what an NGO is. You know, it's not a revolutionary organization. It's an NGO. Let's be honest. They have a land back manifesto. It's okay. It's good. I like it. You know, but I think people are dumb. Sorry, but I don't think people <laughs> are very educated on indigenous politics or the actual historical conditions of this country. I think you're dumb. And if you are offended by that, you should educate yourself. Okay? I, it's not an insult. I just, you know, I, I'm putting it the simplest way I can. You know, it's it's that's is a problem. It's a failure of the public education system. It's not a failure, it's a design. I should say. I was about to say, for, to be called a failure, it would have to be working as it wasn't what? intended. And it's working mm, perfectly. Just like yeah, it's well, I mean, we were, these these are these flaws in the current public education. So I, talk I call this like. junior vigilantism oh. is this mentality you gain from <laughs> this system that ultimately leads you into um, doing justice, you know, like police justice or you know slave hide, yeah. hunter justice, you know, or indigenous killer justice. This is the justice that was originally formed in this country is we were it's quite literally in the declaration of independence the savages on our borders you know <laughs> that's how they view it wasn't including us so when pe- patriotic socialists go oh we're all americans no we're fucking not Mm-mm. and you're on my fucking land so anyway listen <laughs> Maybe you could learn a thing or two if you're a patriotic socialist listening. Like I said, I'm not a secretarian. I just don't think you are educated on this subject. Okay. 
No, I, I, I think that's something that we should hammer home every opportunity. You know, something I, I uh, think about. Not only does uh, Gerald Horn do a really good job when he talks about the ties to slavery and the mm. American Revolution, when he calls it the Counter Revolution, uh, but even the milk toast liberal position admits to the fact that, and it, it's written explicitly in the Declaration of of Independence, um, that. You know, they basically were pissed off that they couldn't after they won the the French. You know, they call it the and I, I don't want to use the formal term here, but the, the French, French and Indigenous and, and war, war that, right? that we call, that they call by the bad name. Yeah, <laughs> that they call well, by the trust bad me, name. The French are um, very much known for using slurs <laughs> to name Indigenous people. We're called the Sioux, which is a Nishinaabe yeah. word for snake in the grass. Uh, Fucking hell. Yeah, that's the federal designation. Yeah. We are the Ochete Shakoween, and they call yeah. us the Sioux. Anyway. So, um... But, yeah. But all I was going to say is is they were pissed off at England for not letting mm-hmm. them move westward the and, and basically genocide people. and Yeah, into the Ohio. And that, that was... That's that's even the milquetoast liberal, you know, uh, understanding of the, the war because it's so obviously true. So you can't be patriotic and be socialist. It's totally contradictory. And you don't even have to have the real material history that we're propagandized away from. Even in the propagandized history, you just need a little critical so, thinking. Like this all... You know, what is the solution? What is the answer to this? What is What are we asking for? Like I said, it's land back, which means, to me, the protection and restoration of sacred sites, which you have to understand, there's a lot of, like, religious sites, first off. Like Mount Rushmore, um, that was called the Six Grandfathers, okay? And, you know, it's part of the Black Hills, which to us is the garden and even in, in our culture, you know? Yep. So, if there was a Garden of Eden on Earth, and we went and occupied it, we would be obliterated off the face of the planet by Christians. You know, occupied it, occupied it, blew it up, and then carved the faces of the people that oppressed you into it. And if you think religion isn't a huge factor here, it is because religion is being co-opted. Because when you read the Bible. It doesn't say abortion is bad. It doesn't say gay people is bad. There is a fundamental different ideology in forming these Christians that ultimately ignore Jesus' message or whatever, you know, that aren't Christians by any textbook readable definition. Maybe there are some and they're like Democrats or whatever and they, you know, they they might support abortion rights or whatever. But for the most part, this is, most Christians in America are evangelical fucking crazy people who speak in tongues. That includes my white half of the family. And uh, for me, I grew up with uh, Assemblies of God minister uh, who was actually given a a national funeral when he died. Because he was kind of big, you know. He basically started a mega church in the town we lived in. It was actually insane. Damn. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And my my dad followed him it's... around because he had a bunch of money. Oh, yeah, that'll happen. Smart. That's, I would yeah, too, I was gonna say. You know, but my dad was a little <laughs> shitbag and quite, quite honestly, kind of a sexual predator. Because my mom, he first met when she was fourteen and had a kid because of rape. And uh, then frickin' um, at a funeral again, he sees her, and she's 18. And uh, it was a mutual friend of theirs. 
And yeah, so that that's how they meet. Actually, he first meets her selling her a bag of weed. Um, yeah, that's the kind of guy my white half is. My my native family is amazing activists who changed the world. The white side is a mega church owner and a fucking you know, and they're all proud of this stuff. You know, the overcoming the adversity and stuff like that. It's like if you boil it down into actual current day politics, you guys are pieces of shit. You know, it's it's very embarrassing for me, you know, because, uh, like, you know, I'm obviously nice to them to get money. Yeah. <laughs> as, you do, as you do. So so if I tell them about my podcast and I'm like, yeah, come support me and stuff, they're going to hear it and they're going to go, yeah. oh, you're kind of... Well, my grandpa's dead, but, you know, <laughs> that side of the family has that kind of mentality. And so it's like... You know, I'm a very revolutionary person and like much more radical than my mom and grandma. And my mom and grandma, they ended Columbus Day in Denver, Colorado. They freaking, uh, you know, Hell occupied yeah. many nice. different. Uh, and this is way before, you know, Indigenous People's Day was really a thing, you know. Um, you know, they occupied a bunch of different stuff. My mom wrote the uh, youth charter for Denver AIM. Um, you know, then she was like 14 when she did that, 13, something like that. Like she was super young. Um, so she was like a, you know, youth organizer, uh, aim, you know, had some influence from communist parties and stuff. There was a communist on their central committee. They were a central committee. It was a organized democratically centrally. I'm just saying it's almost like there's a good model or something. Uh, you know, but there's obviously advancements that can be made and you can learn more. And so like, you know, Red Nation takes on its own direction with democratic centrism as well. That's inspired by indigenous politics, you know, so it, there's still a centralist structure. It's just organized where, you know, f f female people have explicitly more power and stuff like that. Uh, well, like feminine people, you know, um, just, you know, what if you're a fem, non -cis, yeah, non cis men, exactly. That's the let's let's stop focusing on the people and start focusing on who we're not talking about, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, an enforcement of treaty rights and other agreements, uh, and like I said, you know, uh, we have ten percent of the land on Earth right now. This includes every indigenous person in Canada, Mexico, blah blah blah. You know, in the Amazon, you know, this is how much land we technically are in charge of right now. You know, there in the New Deal alone, 200 million acres was taken. 200 million acres. Uh, right now, Ted Nugent owns more land than every Native American tribe combined. Bill Gates is the largest landowner in America. So for those who have a fear that we're going to be the new bourgeoisie, the fuck are you talking about? We're the only working class people with land, really. That's the what's happening here. And we already have the foundations for a political structure that just needs to be taken. And we have our own bourgeoisie. Okay, we have our own national bourgeoisie. It's not just us. You know, like, all of us aren't acting in a collective. We have our own class contradictions because capitalism fucking exists and is actively occupying us. Yep. So we have assholes who, when COVID-19 hit, went to Las Vegas with the money. Or, you know, yeah. we can't prove it, but I'm sure if you actually looked at their pocketbooks, embezzlement's obvious. Yeah. You know, uh, our own president had to... Uh, uh, 
<laughs> occupy the fucking um, BIA building with us on our reservation and got arrested with us. You know, as cool our president is operating with us, where back in the 70s, Dick Wilson, the chairman, AIM primarily fought against on Pine Ridge, which resulted in the 1973 occupation of Wounded Knee. Um, he was firebombing people's houses, murdering political opponents in the street, and freaking uh, working hand-in-hand uh, -hand with the U.S. Marshals Service and FBI, um, and uh, handing w with, uh, I believe... This is my honest belief, is that they planned the Oglala shootout, which resulted in Leonard Peltier's imprisonment, in order to sell off the uranium mine without people talking about the uranium mine. So, Damn. they well, the uranium mine didn't exist until this land sale, and now because of it, the entire water table on Pine Ridge is poisoned. In 10 years, you will get stomach cancer. God damn. That's old data. I have friends right now that uh, work at the local college that I'm giving. I go out to Pine Ridge, I collect water, and I bring back specimens. So we're trying to get a study going. But I'm one person. Yeah. I need money. The Red Nation needs money. The Red Nation does, like, I need to do a report back and get, you know, stuff going. But I'm doing so much other stuff by myself and trying to start an organization here of actual people. Because I live in such a rural area, it's hard for people to get around. You know, how can you actually have an organization if you don't have a fucking car, you know? Or any sort of transit system yeah. that, that is reliable of any kind. Yeah, especially in the rural area. Like, you need a pickup truck, really, to help people, yep. you know? Nope, you're not wrong. Ideally, I'd get one, but here we are. Here we um, are. <laughs> so, then we go into part four, which is our conclusions, right? And our conclusions really talk about... Um, our knowledge, you know, like where it comes from, and then um, really, you know, in the way Marx said um, that communism was inevitable, really what we should be saying is that indigenous knowledge and ways of life are inevitable. If you want a planet and a human race, you need to start thinking in the ways we think, which involves a, re a very large re-examination from the Enlightenment era um, ideologies that really still dominate our existence, you know, because the Enlightenment happened really only in Europe. Everywhere else was really enlightened. Yeah. So you're a little late to the party and you need <laughs> to get on to, you know, well, you know, metaphysics isn't really how I would describe it, but you need to understand what spirituality is. And a lot of it is, you know, um, material expressions of the material conditions of, that ancient people lived in, you know. And so I don't think all of my traditional practices are good nor useful. You know, I don't think everybody needs to Sundance. I don't think everybody needs to Sweat Lodge. I don't think everybody needs to be burning sage. But I do think sage has med medicinal benefits. It scientifically does. And we know it does. We've thrown copper in rivers for millennia because it purifies uh, your body and it purifies the water. Um, you know who took it out? Prospectors. Um, you know, like, we weren't using gold, you know, to create an economic system. We used it for decoration. You know, it was beautiful. 
It was an expression of Mother Earth's beauty. And I think a lot of people need to start thinking about the world that way because do we need computers? Sure, they're helpful. I think we need a computer system to help run a centrally central economy. I think it helps make communication e easier. But the way Facebook works in an un unlimited source of connection is their model resulted in the coup of Myanmar, and that was their explanation. We're just so committed to connecting people that people can organize coups on our platform. You know, Elon Musk, when asked about the Bolivian coup, which we'll get into, um, he yeah. said, we'll coup who we want. These people are blatant about it. They've always been blatant about it. It's that yeah. they were quiet for a little while. Just a little while, they try to sneak it by us. But it's open again. And America's proving that no matter how much progress is made, there is a majority, a middle-class majority, that isn't going to move very far. And so the, you need to figure out how to use them. Mm -hmm. And it sounds very obscene to say, we should use human beings. But quite honestly... If we're being materials, this is what we're talking about as revolutionaries. What is the potential of recruitment? What is the potential of money making? What is the potential of support for the general populace come revolution or come the need for action, which the need of action is today? It was yesterday and it was last fucking year and the year before that. The need for action has been a long time coming. And, you know, it, people like John Brown really show, you know, there's not a lot of stories like John Brown. There's not. Nope. Despite what the patriotic socialists will do, which is engage in America myth-making, <laughs> you know, your revolutionary heroes in this country are black and indigenous mostly. You can't claim Geronimo as yours as a patsoch because he's not American. Yep. You can't claim a descendant of slaves as your revolutionary hero because they're not. They're just trying to survive in this country and claim their peace because they built it. That's fair. Fair enough. You know, if anybody deserves to stay, for sure them. You know, we're not deporting people. That's not the plan. You know, the plan is to fix the world and heal our bodies. We just want you to shut up and listen for once. Listen to the people that fucking know what they're talking about. You know, uh, because of us, we blocked over 600 million tons of carbon for being released in the atmosphere due to protests, indigenous-led protests, all across the world. Damn. Who does Bolsonaro attack in his fascist regime? The indigenous people who protect the Amazon. Okay, around the world, we are seeing indigenous-led movements have success. They're the ones who get political results even run their own elections, and you could say what you have about Bolivia, but blood and sweat and tears were shed for their revolution, and it's just as valid as the Russian. Just as valid. Mm -hmm. I will hear nothing of it. You know, if you are looking at scientific socialism in practice, look to Bolivia, look to Venezuela, look to Cuba. I understand Venezuela is not socialist, okay? But they're building it. They're, that, they're moving on from one world into the next. They are making that bridge, and they are crossing it. 
What are you doing? We're still holding signs on the sidewalk saying, let's build a bridge. You know, we need to be at that level. Amen. Starts by listening to me. No, uh. <laughs> <laughs> now that you're here, that's no. a good place to end the introduction. I agree. I think that is a perfect place good. to. Uh, to and then wrap we'll it start with the stuff. introduction tomorrow. No. <laughs> and then we'll start with the introduction. You know, uh, <laughs> that's how it always there goes. There we go. Uh, that being said, this has been a collaboration between Mark's Madness Pod and the Red Nation. Thank you so much for. Oh, uh, can I plug some stuff? Oh, absolutely! You can plug some stuff. Plug, plug anything you want. Um, so, uh, the Red Nation has its Patreon. That's obviously the main place you should throw your money if you're looking to directly help the organizing efforts of uh, the Red Nation as a whole. Um, but I'm, excuse me, extremely struggling financially, and um, I'm just unabashedly uh, begging for money now. Um, so. <laughs> Um, please support my Patreon. I'll give you content in return. I'm posting photos from my research trips and, um, uh, I haven't been posting on my feed, but I'm going to be again, including, you know, this stuff. So you'll unfortunately get it in your feed again. Sorry. You you know what? You can't have too much of the good content. Yeah, but I post all of my collaborations to my Patreon and I do a lot of them that I've, Produce 12 episodes a year minimum. I usually do way more than that. Um, and so uh, I've done those episodes. I just haven't posted them on the feed. They're on other people's feeds. And so they got all the views at first, and now I'm going to finally like put it on my feed, and people will get a refresher course or something. You know, That's how I kind of yeah. view it. But it, it was me dropping the ball. I'm honest about that. you know. And there's posts and stuff explaining everything. Like I said, there was a suicide attempt and stuff. I just had a kid. Um, if you can't provide for your family, you feel like a piece of shit is what happened basically. Um, no. And so, uh, thank goodness, uh, you know, there's some cool mental health crisis stuff here for indigenous people because I live near a reservation, so, uh, I can get help. Uh, you know, right now I am broke as a joke, uh. Yeah, uh, I spent all my money and thought I'd have a job longer than I did. I had to leave my job because my uh, co-worker brings a gun to work every day. And then started mentioning how he supported the Buffalo mass shooter. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I reported him and left. Yeah, I I would say so. Yeah. No. That, yeah, that's about the only move you can do. Yeah, that's a personal safety decision. So, um, yeah, so that's why you should support me, not to mention, uh, technically I'm four people removed from President Biden, uh, because we organize on the same reservation Deb Holland, the Department of Interior is from, and so we know her family. So I'm not there, but I know somebody who is there, who knows her family, who then knows her, who can then talk to Biden. There we go. This is our pathway, folks. Yeah, you know. But I'm what I'm saying is that we actually have a real influence on politics in America, exactly, as well as um, abroad. So international, you know, we're we're a very small organization, yet we're treated as equals amongst PSL and CPUSA. So, and if it hasn't been said already on on this show, it it, it 
again, we we are fond, if nothing else, of directing because again, anyone who's listening to us knows we do not have any sort of Patreon or any sort of uh, fun. We we don't do anything like that. We just we read books. That's what we do. Um, oh, any, actually, any, you know what? I just thought of a solution. If you support my Patreon, I'm going to get Riverside FM, and I'm going to let like everybody use it. I think that's the there, best solution. There you know, we like, go. Because the, min- the minion could use it. <laughs> you guys could use it. I could use it. Um, mandatory OT. I mean, who couldn't use it? There, there is a simple solution. Like Nathan was saying, we you know we at Mark's Madness uh, because we don't need it like some others do. We don't have a Patreon, so pretty simply, we've always said to to give it to you know either a local organization or a Patreon that's more deserving. There's an exact example right there. Like I'm so subscribed to Zakato Tin Can. If you pay me, Patreon. This is what I do for organizing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm building a garden. Okay, by myself. I'm doing all this by myself, but with my neighbors and stuff, you know, like my communal organizing is really communal. Okay, like my neighbor down the street, I don't know what his politics is, but he trades me mushrooms. I'm going to be giving him maple syrup this year because uh, I have nine maple trees in my new backyard. Because where I moved, luckily for me, uh, my actual father in law, so there's the adopted father in law. And then there's the biological father-in-law. Very confusing, right? <laughs> He's a lawyer and not a successful one. He was a tribal public defender um, and he, uh, for the Ojibwe band and, like, knew Winona LaDuke and stuff. So it's kind of a small world situation going on because, like, we know Winona LaDuke. And I was supposed to interview her before the whole Line 3 stuff happened. And she got arrested, too. So even if I went, I wouldn't get the interview I was going for, you know? So anyway... Um, well, I mean, I was going for other stuff, but I mean, to the Enbridge guy, he literally worked yeah. for Enbridge. The guy, the guy I'm talking about worked for Enbridge. That's why he snitched on me. I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's oh my, my theory. God. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. You know, I'm paranoid as fuck about mm. that shit. Yeah. A cop who worked for Enbridge. Anyway, I want to beat him up. I don't know what the ethical thing to do there is, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I live so close to a bunch of Enbridge places, so it's very fucking frustrating for me right now. I don't have a car. Oh, Fund me. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I'm building a garden. Like I said, I could go to em- I could organize the indigenous people around here and go to Enbridge and stuff and actually do something, you know. But I need a car. That's my problem right now. Um, I hand out food at like a food pantry. That's not that impressive. Uh, it's normal stuff. You should be doing that if you have the time. That's basic stuff. Go to like St. Vinny's if you have those or uh, Salvation Army or something. I mean, maybe not Salvation Army or St. Vinny's because these are church organizations. But again, beggars can't be choosers if you don't have an organization near you that's yeah, a communist. You know, that's exactly. Do not bombs. You should start by meeting people at these church functions and going, man, isn't it kind of fucked up how the church does this kind of stuff? Because most churches embezzle money. You can find it quick. It's really fucked up. Anyway, um, you know, and also if they're not like doing more for the people and they have a lot of money coming in, you can point that out real easy. Like Salvation Army, you know, and the Catholic Church in general. That's yeah. St. Vinny's. You know, like those are easy critiques to make to convince people who are probably just there to uh, get community service hours half the time. Like those are usually the people at those functions and not churchgoers. You know, like, despite popular belief. Um, and I don't think people realize that. 
because a lot of people are very sheltered from that experience. And so, um, this is all good shit. I, I love that even in my riff of fucking begging for money, I'm educating people this much. Um, like this is why I'm worth paying, right? Um, freaking on top of that, I travel the country and I try to connect, um, indigenous groups everywhere. One of the most recent connections is the Sam people, uh, which is, uh, a project started by Children of the Setting Sun Productions, which is this awesome multi-generation effort to educate settlers. Um, this guy's, uh, when settlers first started coming to the area, this guy's, you know, great-grandpa or something, great-great-grandpa, wasn't that long ago. So, <laughs> people don't think about that. Um, it's like great-great-grandpa or yeah. great-grandpa, something like that, maybe three greats. Ooh, so long ago. But, um, freaking... <laughs> He he started got some people together and tr- tried to educate them about the culture so there'd be a better um, symbiotic relationship with you know uh, settlers and indigenous people in the northwest. Um, that didn't work, um, but this tradition has continued and so now they're on their seventh generation of doing this. So it's like like uh, his great either the dude's great grandson that I talked to or it's his grandson is. It depends on if it's three greats or two greats. <laughs> I have a, lot a recording of math involved. Of we're getting back. We're getting back to the bolts of linen and capital. Exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say this is how many how generations many, how removed. How many coats away are we talking? <laughs> so um, you know, it's a really cool group. Uh, they're liberal, you know, but like a liberal indigenous person is way different than a liberal white person because they're like mm-hmm. land back, but. I'm not really sure what we do after, you know, I just want a self-determination, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what an indigenous liberal is like, basically, or, or, you know, a Republican one still says land back, but he's like, no, my land back, you know, <laughs> I don't care about the rest of you, you know, um, <laughs> that's class relations on an Indian reservation, no, uh, <laughs> but basically, you know, um, I, don't, I do a lot of stuff. I go out to Pine Ridge a lot. Uh, that's my main thing. I, any money I get, portions of it goes back to my family on the res. So that's another reason I'm poor, is that I'm not only feeding my family, I'm feeding my cousin's family, and it's a lot bigger than mine. You know, they need more money than I give them. I'm just hoping that there's other people helping them out. You know, exactly. That's the prayer and hope. And I'm trying to help TRN build up there so that way there might actually be that help for them. You know, I actually yeah. had a cousin die down in Gallup and I, I didn't know he was sick with COVID. And I said, Why didn't you tell me Which I could is... have gotten him help? Yeah. You know, that's really hard for me that that's the situation we're in and that I have these connections and stuff and it's just, I can't be everywhere at once. You know, and so I'm trying to get my friends that are comrades to go in this direction so that way we can have those hands because I know how many idle hands there are. I know how many. I know how many people complain and complain about their org. You know, push the red deal. That gives you something to do. Okay? That, and that's, and that's what I have to say. 
and we are going to be pushing it uh, for the foreseeable future. Again, this will be, uh, for, for anyone that we didn't clarify this for up top, this is going to be a full read-through. This is not going to be a summary. This is going to be exactly like what we've been doing for everything else. It'll be word for word. It'll be the season, It'll be season eight of the show. Um, so it will go as all this our seasons go. This was the summary. This <laughs> was the summary episode. This was your summary. Yeah. Uh, everything coming after this is just going to be us reading the work like we normally do and discussing it uh, as as we normally do. And then and you get to uh, discuss we'll use the, the current the... updates with the organization that wrote it and the other maze. Like what informs this? You know, because exactly. I know mm-hmm. the theory where it came from and stuff, and it's very much a better. Um, it's going to be an awesome commentary, I think. It's going to be fantastic. It's something something we've been looking forward to for a long time, and I hope you guys are are as excited for it as we are to to finally make it happen. Um, that being said, normal dis- normal it's- disclosures apply. Uh, this has been Mark's Madness Pod uh, in collaboration with the Red Nation. Uh, we read books. Uh, there are a number of different ways you can reach out to us if you would like to uh, about anything. Uh, first off, we have an email address. It's marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Next up, we have a Twitter account for anyone that suffers on that site like we do. It is at marksmadnesspod on Twitter. And linked in our Twitter bio is a link to our Discord server, uh, where if you want more day-to-day conversation or just somewhere to go with like-minded comrades or places that you can go, there is a uh, separate reading group always going on in Book Club. Right now they are doing, um, I believe, DJ Prashad's uh, Selected Works of Mao uh, that just oh, came out. Man. Yeah, what you should are. check out is third uh, Red Star over the Third World by VJ, and that's that that is too. on the list too. They vote; they always vote on what's coming up. And I know oh. they're. I, I think that's the other uh, VJ book that's on the list. Uh, that's in I would like to read voting. that Mao one though. So yeah. <laughs> I did yeah. the reverse. <laughs> you cannot, you cannot go wrong reading VJ Prasad, Prashad, listening to VJ Prashad. He's yeah. Oh, I guess I should probably so, plug. Uh, please twitters and stuff. Yes, please by all means. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, so at the underscore red underscore nation. What boomer made this? I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick. It's Nick. But uh, <laughs> uh, then, of course, you can go follow Nick Estes. But uh, I would say you can follow uh, me at Bands Island. That's the Twitter for us. Um, there's an Instagram for me, too. But that doesn't matter for me. Um uh, the Red Nation also has an Instagram uh, that I don't know how active it is, but I, I, it's probably more active than our Facebook, which we also have, right? But I think it's just the Red Nation or the Red Nation movement. Um, I don't know, really know. I think probably both will work. I don't know how Instagram works. I don't. Um, oh, so. that's that's a vo- that's a voodoo mystery to me. It means was, it means nothing. I I was gonna say yeah, it's yeah. it's the other ads. I only use the hell site. I don't know what. And then <laughs> if you hate anything I say. Please don't direct it at Mark's Madness. You can direct it at bands of Turtle Island at gmail.com. And trust me, I read them. I, yeah, I read them. Everything. <laughs> if you think Free you didn't, hear, I didn't hear you, yeah, if, 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 well, I don't get a lot of comments to begin with, but I do get weird ones. <laughs> Mark knows always hippies. the most fun, though. There's a lot of hippies. <laughs> Well, thank everyone for listening. But before we go, David, as usual, will give us the disclaimer. David, disclaim away. Uh, yeah. So, um, obviously, well, before I do that, um, Zakato talked about uh, 
you know, giving to their Patreon, and and I don't think they actually named it. So Zakato's tin can. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, and will there be like a link in the? There, there will absolutely yeah. be a link in the description of this episode for Zakato's Patreon. No, yes. you best believe if you're listening to this on a podcast app, it's linked. Yes. Uh, as far as Mark's Madness Pod, this is something we started because Nathan came up to me one day and he's like, "Hey." I want to read Capital. And theory and history are things you should read as a group. That way you get everyone's perspective, everyone's background, more context, more understanding, and just a second time to review it to make sure you soak it in. Um, And so Nathan came up to me with that. Unfortunately, we only had two people, and we thought – we need a little bigger group. And while this is we, my third read of the Red Deal, so nice. That's well, then I petition on it all the time. So it's like <laughs> I got some pre-made notes. Good. Good, because this is only my second read through, and I've never presented on it. Uh, <laughs> um, but that being said, um, ever since then, kind of the vision we had when we were sharing this with you is hopefully you're out there, you know, in your local organization or creating a local organization or in some kind of par- party or cadre, um, and you're out there, you're doing the work uh, every day. And with that organization, hopefully there's a reading or a political education group, and they're reading this along with us, especially this one, The Red Deal, because it is contemporary, it is fitting, it is needed now. Um, and, you know, when that happens, uh, one thing we hope is we can be another source of input, another source of context, especially with this book again, you know, because the, the great resource we have is Zakato, you know, collaborating with us and, and we're hearing it right from the Red Nation. Um, but, you know, making sure you get the most out of the book. And let's say that's not happening and they're reading something more applicable to a specific project or just a different work. Um, you know, hopefully we can be that reading group. We can make sure that you have that second chance to review, have all that context, have all those benefits. And let's say that's not happening and you're reading this on your own. Uh, or I'm sorry, let's say that's not happening and you're you're <laughs> you're using this either as kind of an enhanced ebook, like with this book where we read it word for word or a work that we summarize more. Whatever we can do to make these works more accessible accessible to you because we want these works out there guiding your actions again especially this work um because when you put this theory into action that's a phenomenon called praxis uh praxis by definition of course doesn't exist without theory and theory is completely useless without the praxis they go hand in hand they are tied at the hip amen we as got 500 always. years of praxis informing our <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod. We will talk to y'all next week. My name is Nathan. My name's David. I'm Shumani too. <laughs> and we will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.